Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This is our last installment for the year 2017, and leading us today is our student ministries pastor, the Reverend Doug Rary. Pastor Doug will be preaching on new and old wineskins and a new and old life. Here he is with this week's message. Thank you for listening, and Happy New Year. Well, good morning. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, I just thank you so much for this place. I thank you, God, for this church and all that you are constantly doing here. God, I thank you for the honor and privilege to be here this morning. God, I ask that you would forgive me of any sin that might prohibit me from teaching from your word here this morning. God, I pray for your Holy Spirit to fill our hearts and our minds, to open our hearts and our minds to your word. Would you speak to us here this morning? God, may it be your words that are spoken here and not mine. And all God's people said... Amen. Well, we just got done celebrating a phenomenal Christmas here at Christ Church. Amen. You know, this was my fifth Christmas celebrating here at Christ Church, and I, I think it was the best one yet. From the music, especially the sermon series, the whole month of December, I just thought was magical. And of course, uh, what our staff did was something that we do every year. It's an annual staff Christmas party, and we have a nice lunch and then we play the white elephant game. You ever play that at home? The white elephant game where people are, are taking presents and they're fighting over each other for the presents they want and they're sobbing to each other for the presents that they, they don't want. And so the whole staff plays this every year and it's a whole lot of fun. And, uh, and one of my favorite parts is the fact that, that our own Pastor Barry uh, always sneaks in a gift. It is a beta fish in a fishbowl. And you open it up and you gotta pull out the fish, and then you got the fish. Well, it was my first Christmas here. And my kids, uh, well, they're young now, but they were very young then. And I, I said, I want that fish. And so I started fighting and scheming, you know, and, and, and tricking and figuring out how I could do it. And sure enough, I got that fish. And I took that fish home, and my kids were overjoyed. In fact, they named him, it was genius, they named the fish fish. And the fish lived happily, continued to live happily for years and years in this fishbowl in our, in our first house and then in our, our second house. For, for over four years, this fish was just uh, such a delight to us. Believe it or not, like we really got excited about this, this fish. Well, it was, um, it was back in August that uh, we were having a family day. And uh, we decided that we were going to go to the pet store. And my wife was very clear that we were only going to look. Okay? Now, you think that she might be talking to the kids, but she was actually talking to me. No lizards, no tarantulas, okay, no ferrets. You know, she didn't want to be bringing anything home. However, the fish store was having an amazing aquarium sale. And so I, I started scooping up a, a, a 10 gallon uh, uh, aquarium and uh, I got some beautiful gravel and I got one of those, you know, those sunken pirate ships. You know, I always wanted one of those in an aquarium. And I thought this is just going to be the greatest environment for fish. And I rationalized, which is telling yourself rational lies, that, uh, that this would be a good purchase. Because Fish has been living for over four years, and he deserves a wonderful retirement, 
okay, in an amazing aquarium that is beautiful, and he has space to, to, to spread his wings, his fins, you know, and it was going to be wonderful. And so uh, my wife, though, was not pleased with me at all for, <laughs> for buying a bunch of stuff that we, that we didn't need and, uh, and bringing it home. So I got home, and I started setting up the new, new aquarium. I was, I was really excited about it. And, uh, and I, I, as I was starting to set up, I, I went over to the fishbowl, and fish was dead. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And the kids were with me because they were very excited as well as I was setting up the new aquarium. And I thought, I can't, I can't fake it. And so I, I had to tell them that, that fish had died. Well, the wailing and the screaming and the quiet and, and the crying just commenced. And, and I was trying to, to think of what to do to help my little children deal with this, this death of this fish. And so I did the only thing a good pastor could do. I put on a funeral service out in the, in the backyard and we, we buried him and we said our goodbyes to fish. And the crying didn't stop and the wailing didn't stop. And I told my wife, I said, don't, don't uh, take off the shoes. We're going right back to the fish store. Well, my wife saw her opportunity. And she said, great, you could take all of that new aquarium stuff that you just wasted all that money on, and we could return it, and we could take the new fish we're going to buy, and we could put it in, in the fishbowl, right? Now, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to, to put that fish back into that fishbowl, and so, again, I rationalized, and I, I said, well, you know, we need, we need this. We need this, this new aquarium. I remember this story very well because uh, the day it happened, I, I thought, this is going to make a great sermon story someday, new and old. And so, trying to be a good preacher, but probably being a horrible father, I took some pictures of this event. So let me show you. The, the first picture here is of my daughters, and this is when they found out that fish died. And so that's why I'm a horrible father. They're crying and screaming and totally upset. But there's good news. Here we are in the fish store with the brand new fish. Look how excited they are with the brand new fish. Now, they are much older, so they're much more clever. So they named this fish Splash. And they would love to have you over someday and, and show you how they trained him to wave at you, okay? Anytime you'd like to come over, they would love to show you that. And then here is the brand new aquarium with Splash all set up uh, in our kitchen, and, uh, and I, I like it. It's, it's great. Now, I'm telling you this story for a reason, and here's my main point. Truthfully, I didn't want to take this new life and put it into the old, diseased environment that caused the old life to die in the first place. Does that make sense? Let me explain what I mean. I wonder how many of you can relate to this. It's New Year's Eve. Tomorrow starts a new year. It's going to take us a good three months to get used to writing 2018 on those papers. But isn't there something spectacular about a fresh start. Isn't there something just wonderful about a clean slate? Yeah, I had a horrible time in middle school and high school. It's one of the major reasons that I do what I do today. I I just love working with teenagers. 
I want to help them win in middle school and high school because I had a horrible, horrible time. And I could remember every new school year, thank God that I get a, a new clean slate, new teachers, new classrooms, sometimes even new buildings where I could kind of start fresh, that I could kind of start anew. You know, the Bible says that when we begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, that his Holy Spirit takes up residence within us and we receive new life. Amen. Isn't that good news? That we receive new life. A fresh start. A clean slate. Now Paul, who was an evangelist, a church planter, wrote most of the books that we have in the New Testament. He writes this in 2 Corinthians. Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah, that means has a relationship with Jesus Christ, gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, and a new life burgeons. I don't know about you, but that word burgeons was a big word for me. So I had to look it up. It says to begin to grow with great force as a tree bud would. You know, one of the most irritating things uh, happened to me this past spring. Well, I guess in, in light of everything, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. But this past spring, I went out. And I was really irritated because in my driveway, right in the center, this, this new plant, weed probably, started bursting up through the driveway. Has it ever happened to you? And I knew, I knew immediately I needed to take care of that. I needed to get rid of that because the driveway would start to break apart and make room for new plants. But I, I know I have, have experienced this before, but was still amazed. How does, how does, this, little, how does this little plant, how does this little bud have the power to break up through asphalt like that. That's what that word virgin means. That, that we, with our new life in Christ, have the potential to grow with such great power. I'm often in awe when I see little plants do that. But I really need to confess to you today I don't know about you, but I cannot always describe my walk with Christ as virginous, as growing with such great power. I can't tell you how many times I drive home and I reflect upon my day and I begin to beat myself up. And I say, why, why did I say that to that person? Why did I open my mouth like that. I have a, a really, really dry, sarcastic sense of humor. And I could say some really dumb stuff. Why did I say that? Why did I fall into that same old trap of temptation? Why did I hurt that person that I love? Why did I misrepresent myself as a Christian? Why was I so angry today? Why was I so resentful? Why am I constantly being so selfish? I don't know if you've ever felt that way. 
Have you ever felt like there's some kind of behavior or some kind of attitude or some kind of sin that you just feel trapped in? That you don't want to do it, but you keep doing it over and over again. Do you wish that you treated others better in your life? Do you beat yourself up saying, why do I keep doing this? Why can't I stop? I was reading a letter the other day from a guy who felt the same way. Let me read some of what he wrote to you. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. I obviously need help. I realize I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I just can't do it. And I decide to do good things, but I don't really do them. I decide not to do bad, but I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, well, they don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that now it's predictable. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who could do anything for me? How many of you, like me, from time to time have just felt like that? Like, I'm at the end of my rope with this. I can't stop these things. I need someone to help me. I don't know if it'll comfort you or not, but that letter was written 2,000 years ago by the Apostle Paul. I just read you the message paraphrase version of some verses of Romans chapter 7. You might be saying, well, Doug, that, that doesn't come for me at all, what, whatsoever, because I know Paul to be one of, arguably, one of the greatest Christians of all time, and to know that he, too, struggled with this, well, then what chance do I possibly have? Well, praise God that God revealed the answer to Paul. Now, Paul writes a lot about this predicament in Romans 7 and Romans chapter 8, and I would really encourage you before your head hits the pillow tonight, to read through that. But Paul also sums this up beautifully in the book of Galatians chapter 5. Let me read this to you beginning in verse 17. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So we have our new life given to us through the Holy Spirit. But we're still stuck with this old sinful nature. And they're constantly battling one another. And the question is, who wins? Now I don't mean, let me be clear... Who wins the battle for your soul? If you have begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, your salvation is set and you will spend eternity with God the Father. Amen. But what I do mean is the battle for your day, the battle for your week, the battle for your month. 
There's an ancient proverb that's found in many different cultures. In Asia, it's about a dragon versus a lion. In Norway, there's a man versus a beast. But I have Cherokee blood within me, so this is my favorite one. Let me read to you this proverb. An old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life. He says, a fight is going on inside me. It's a terrible fight, and it's between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. Then he continued, but the other wolf is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. And he said to his grandson, the same fight is going on inside of you. And the same fight is inside every other person too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, well, which wolf will win? And the old Cherokee simply replied, the one that I feed. Now, as wonderful as this old cultural proverb is, it's a good illustration, but let me share with you the truth. Paul continues in Galatians 5, so I say, Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't do what the sinful nature craves. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealous outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the very first piece of scripture that I ever memorized. And the reason why I did that was because I was a new Christian and I wanted more of those kinds of things in my life. I wanted more love. I wanted more peace. I knew I needed patience and self-control. I wonder how many of you today would say, man, I want more of those things in my life. I don't think any of us wake up in the morning and say, Man, you know what I need less of? I need less love. I need less love in my life. Or I'm just too darn patient. I am so patient with other people, and I'm good to other people too, and I need to be less like that. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what, I just have too much peace. I need more stress and more worry in my life. No, we want these types of things in our lives. I have to be very honest with you and confess with you that I did not always know Jesus. I lived a completely different life before I began my relationship with Christ. A life that the Bible would describe as as wild living. 
But when I first came to a relationship with Jesus Christ, I was a young single guy. And I have to be honest that there were many times that I took this brand new life through the Holy Spirit, but I put it back into the same old pattern of living, the same old behaviors of my old sinful life. You know, I would hang out with the same bad influence friends. I would spend time in places that I probably ought not be spending time in, mostly bars. There would be conversations at my table of friends that a Christian probably ought not be a part of. And suddenly, as soon as I began that relationship with Christ and I would go to these places, there was conflict. There was conflict within me. Something wasn't working. Something wasn't right. And for the first time, I had some courage to put up some boundaries in my life. I had a a best friend since first grade. And we went together, just the two of us, to one of our old haunts. It was a Friday night, I remember. And we're having some drinks at a bar. And I was so convicted. And I said to him, brother, I love you. And I'm not judging you, but I just can't do this anymore. I I just can't go to this type of place anymore. I I just can't be a part of this anymore. I just told him uh, that I'd become a Christian. And, And at that time, I was starting to pray about possibly going into ministry. And I knew I had to get this out of my life. And I'll never forget his reaction he about leaped across the table like, like he was going to kill me. He was so angry and he was so frustrated. And I didn't realize that I had done this to him. But later he told me that he, he kind of felt like he had to look inward all of a sudden. I'm so thankful I never lost that friend. After a period of time, instead of going to those places, he called me up and he's like, well, you know what? We both love video games. This is before I got married. You know, let's hang out, play video games, or order pizza. So we did that for years. Ten years ago, he gave his life to Jesus Christ while eating some pizza and playing some video games at my house. Yeah. But I'll tell you, it's very possible because there's other friends in my life that I had to put up some boundaries. I had to cut some people out of my life. Not because I didn't love them, but because I loved Christ. And I needed to follow the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Jesus says in our scripture focus today. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. You know, my children have the same problem that children have been having for generations, that they get holes in their pants. Right? My wife's always complaining, I just bought this new pair of pants, it's only been like two weeks and there's, there's holes in the pants. Now, I don't see too much anymore children running around with patches on their knees with holes in their pants like my mother used to do for me and for my brother. I kind of understand it. In fact, my wife bought some new pants the other day and I looked at the price tag and they were only $3 for the kids and so I kind of get it. But Jesus' logic still holds true. Why would anyone go out and buy a new pair of pants, cut it up, and then patch an old pair of pants with that patch? It just doesn't make any sense. Jesus goes on in verse 37. He says, And no one puts 
old wineskin, or no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. Now, I understand that, that when wine is made, the, the liquid expands when it ferments. And in Jesus' day, they used to, to put the wine in the skins of a, a sheep or a goat. Now, a new skin that was made is kind of like a new pair of jeans. It will, it will stretch a little bit. I'm very thankful that jeans will stretch a little bit. And so you'd put this new wine into these new skins, and when it ferments and that liquid expands, the skin would stretch. However, once that skin has been stretched, if you were to take another batch of wine, new wine, and put it into the old wine skin, it couldn't stretch any further, and it would burst when it expands. Again, Jesus' logic holds true. Why would you put this new thing into this old container. Now, these two parables were told to illustrate that you can't mix old religious rituals with new faith in Jesus Christ. But the truth of the parables still stand for our life today. Are you trying to take this new life in Christ and put it into the same old way of living? The same old lifestyle, the same old behaviors? Are you trying to take your new beta fish and put it into an old diseased fishbowl? Are you trying to take this new burgeonous plant life, but plant it in with the weeds where it can't grow properly? Are you feeding the evil wolf or are you feeding the good one? Are you someone who may need to shed some skin, some old skin for some new skin? Are you following the Holy Spirit? Or are you following the old sinful nature? Did you know that you could, you could pray? I try to do this as often as I can every morning. And I say, Holy Spirit, please come into my mind. Give me good thoughts. Guide me. Help me to listen Help me to follow you. You know, I, I've learned something in my life that the enemy can suggest thoughts to me. We call that temptation. And the Holy Spirit can suggest thoughts to me. We call that inspiration. But I could also have my own thoughts, and I call that stupidity. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I need to follow him. I need to follow his guidance. It's a tough challenge this year. How do we get those fruits of the Spirit? We've got to follow the Holy Spirit, and we've got to put up some boundaries for the old sinful nature. Yeah, I've, I've always been a little bit of a big guy, but since this past November, I've really put on some weight. This month of December, I... I remember sitting down, tying my shoes, and wondering who snuck this beach ball because I couldn't bend over, and I thought maybe you know one of the elves on the shelf snuck in a, a beach ball. I said to my wife, <laughs> something's got to change. Now, here's the problem. 
I love chocolate cake. <laughs> I love, I just, I just ho-hoed like Santa. I, I love chocolate cake. And I would eat it every day. <laughs> so if I'm going to put up a boundary in my life to lose some weight, it would make sense that there'd be no chocolate cake in the house. Right? It's a boundary. No chocolate cake in the house. But the problem is, I know me, and that boundary's not strong enough. Now, what would probably be even better is if I would not be allowed to ever go to the grocery store. That would probably be the best boundary. But I told my wife, I said, do not let me go over to that aisle where the chocolate cake is sold. Right? That's, that's the boundary that I need in my life. It's a tough challenge this year to put up some boundaries in your life. You may need to reconsider some old friends in your life that have a strong, tempting influence on you. You may need to reconsider some certain places you spend your time where temptation might run rampant for you. You may even need to reconsider some New Year's Eve plans that you might have tonight. My hope and prayer for myself this new year is the same that I have for you. And I've been praying it all month knowing that this day was coming. That you might chase after the Holy Spirit with everything you got this year. And unfortunately, like any good New Year's resolution, it's going to take some discipline and it's going to take a little bit of work that you would get into God's word regularly. You know, if this is the only place Sunday morning you get to hear and learn from God's word, that's six days of the old sinful nature and the old temptations coming after you that you would get into God's word regularly, that you would speak to your heavenly Father more frequently. When my prayer life goes downhill, man, do I start to beat myself up because I have access to the creator of the universe, the one who put the stars in the sky. I get to talk to him. How dare I not be talking to my heavenly Father? How dare I not be including him into my life, into the lives of my children. I've got to be honest with you. Every time I open the Bible, or every time I do a devotion and prayer life with my children at night, it's not the greatest, most fun experience in the world. Sometimes it's kind of boring. Sometimes I'm tired and I kind of want to put the kids to bed and maybe turn on the TV. But I, I just hear the Lord say, just, just do it. Just read it. Just, just obey. And even though it's not the greatest experience, most of the time it is. It's electrifying. It's inspiring. And I see the way my kids are being shaped by the prayer life, by the, the word. We've got to connect in relationships with other Christians. Praise God, when, when I put up that boundary in my life when I was young, there was a, another guy, he used to be a small group leader at my youth group, and he was 10 years older than me, and he opened up his doors to me on Friday nights. He knew what I was going through. He knew the temptations. Now, he had a wife and two kids, but he would open up the doors, he'd order pizza, play Nintendo or something. And that changed my life. Having a Christian friend there, accountability with me. 
Maybe you can join one of our small groups here at Christ Church. Maybe you can join all those classes in there. Maybe, maybe you could say, yeah, it's first of the year. You know what? I need, I need to get in the Word. I need to get with some other Christians. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign up. Maybe you need to make a commitment to be a little bit more consistent, a little bit more involved in the church, in other Christians' lives, in your relationship with God. Finally, maybe you need to love to give and to serve God's people just as he loved you. I'll just be honest with you. When I first started in ministry, man, did that burgeness life take off. I I confess to you now that I feel a little selfish. I get to do this. And I'm, I continue to grow because I get to be in God's service. And I've watched teenagers make that same commitment and begin to serve and watch their life with Christ just skyrocket. Because they're not just reading the word, they're living it. We've got a lot of great missions here. We've got a lot of great partnerships here. We've got a lot of great places to serve. So that's my prayer for myself. I've been praying it all month, and that's my prayer for you, that we would chase after the Holy Spirit with everything we got, that we would let him guide our lives, and we would leave that old sinful nature behind. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this church and for what you're doing. God, I thank you for this opportunity just to be here this morning. God, I thank you for your word that we could hear from you each and every day. I thank you, God, that that this Christmas month we just celebrated means that you have paved a way through the desert that we could get to have a relationship with you, that we get to speak to you, that we get to include you in our lives. God, may we remember that. And God, would you give us strength as we need discipline to chase after you with all we got in this new year. It's your name we pray, and all God's people said, amen.